Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. Out, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one, The Welcome Mat, written by Chucky Snow. The Marines were about as raucous as ever, drinking and celebrating their recent victory in some battle. Their voices echoed off the metal walls of the bar. It was one of seven watering holes on the station, and as it wasn't located too near the docking ports, it catered to a less genteel crowd. If anyone got too drunk, or if a fight happened to break out, the further from the ship's brig, the better. The station was nominally human, but had a share of Xenos. One of those happened to be tending the bar. He, she, was a Henatenian, and whoever hired them made a good choice. The barkeep was allergic to most alcohols, and could probably take on two of the marines at once, if the need arose. So, no sampling, the merchandise, and a built-in bouncer. A human waitress busied herself with the orders from a dozen tables. A man came in, surveyed the room, and found an empty booth along the back wall. Sergeant McIntyre noticed his arrival, more out of situational awareness than anything. The waitress went over and started taking his order. The sergeant didn't really notice him until the waitress took a quick step back. She looked a bit flushed and then hurried away. McIntyre idly ran through a dozen scenarios. Did the newcomer hit on the waitress? Did he ask for something unusual? Was he insulting? He half hoped the latter was true. The boys would be happy to tune up some random guy causing problems in their bar. The waitress finally made the rounds back to the marines. McIntyre leaned in and asked her, Did that guy give you any problems? He pointed. Who? Oh, him? No, I just didn't know that he was welcome, Matt. With the word spoken, the marines fell silent. One of the other marines stared at the corner. He drinks for free. We got his bill. Sarge looked over around the table. Hollister, go offer him a seat with us. Hollister, the newest member of the team, went over and talked to the man. At one point, the man looked at the marines, waved warmly, and then went back to his drink. His name is Quinton, and he appreciates the offer, but he's good. And get this, he thanked us for our service, Hollister said, sitting back down. <laughs> That's Matt for you. You know, we've seen some crazy, but the stories I've heard about them are worse. Way worse, another agreed. The waitress was hovering nearby, and hearing the marines being so respectful got her curious. Can I ask you a question? What exactly is the deal with welcome mat guys? What do you mean by the deal with welcome mat guys? The marines countered. Well, she stammered, why did I do it? I mean, considering, she said, letting them finish the thought. The marines looked at each other. They understood. Everyone has a calling. Look at us. We have no issues halo jumping into a hot zone under fire. Hell, we did it twice last month alone. What we do ain't for everyone. But we do it, and we're damn good at it too. But we ain't going anywhere without the firepower we can carry. And we know every inch of ground that we're about to hit. 
We know the threats, we know the risks, and we know how to pull the plug if things go south, the Sarge said. And that makes us completely unlike Quinton over there. There ain't much that I won't do, but I'm not making first contact. Ever, he shuddered. Well, I hear the stories. Why don't they bring you guys along? Do they really go everywhere unarmed? She asked. Part of the rules. I understand it too. You make first contact with some Xeno race. You don't want guns messing it up. Those guys are diplomats, not soldiers. Their job is to make friendly relations, and that ain't never happened while looking down the barrel of a gun. So, they gotta go into every situation looking as harmless as possible. That's tough to do, he replied. How is being harmless tough to do, she asked, confused. That ain't tough. Living with the consequences, that's tough. He turned to his men. What's the FCSR at right now? I think it's around 60%, answered a younger marine. So the first contact survival rate is a little better than half, and those guys don't retire until they hit 10 contacts. Diplo Corps is basically a death sentence where you ain't gonna defend yourself from your executioner. Sarge continued. Then why do it? Crap, beats me. I wouldn't. Maybe they want to experience the unknown. I know it ain't for the money or the glory, since they get about as little of that as we do. Honestly, you'd have to ask them yourself. Well, now the story's true. I've heard some things that don't sound real, she asked. Guys, favorite welcome mat story. Go! The Traverians tried direct neural contact by sticking metal rods into a mat team, fried four in a row before they stopped trying. Killed the last two by cutting open their skulls. F-Codex decided they wanted to see if humans could germinate their eggs, so they locked up a team and filled them full of babies that ate them from the inside out. Radians don't have eyes like ours, so they pulled the team's eyes out, one by one. They say that the last guy passed out after watching this happen to the first four, but they woke him back up just before ripping his out. Sarge spoke back up. There's a hundred species that have shot the teams on sight. There's another hundred that decided to see what we'd taste like. But what they all have in common is that the welcome match didn't fight back. Not once. I know I ain't got it in me to let some damn bug chew on my leg while I watch him do it. But they can. They're all about the greater good. I mean, we are too, but not like that. In the name of peaceful relations, they go through with it, all about growing the empire. Your barkeep is a Hanatelian. They've killed the first team, messed up the second team, and now we're all buddies. Those Truvarians, big trading partners now. The Cradians, too. You won't see them in a bar here anytime soon, but that ain't the point. We're friendly with them, and it's all because we let first contact happen on their terms, not ours. Quentin, having had his drink, got up and left the bar. He nodded and the marines on his way out. They were able to see the horrible acid burns that covered the third of his face, and a few noticed that he didn't have all of his fingers. Yeah, when you think tough, you probably think marines. When we think tough, it's all about the Diplocore. End of story. Story number two. Tail Striker, written by Petty Master. Screams filled the stadium. Red was everywhere. Banners, flags, posters. A colossal mural of a young Chinese man was projected on the giant screens at the front of the stadium. 
His eyes were low, unassuming. He held headphones in one hand and a coiled mouth said the other. Bold yellow letters behind him said, Tail Striker. While the black silhouettes of the RCF craft flew his signature whip formation. Every man and woman in the titanic structure had paid dearly for the privilege. Over two hundred thousand individuals waited eagerly, shouting and yelling to one another to be heard above the calamitous din. Water stations lined the seats. Emergency personnel stood tense. Private security guards paced the front of the stage, agitated by the mob of people pressed up against the fence. Then the screens went black and the lights went down. The crowd erupted as only humans could. They could be heard for miles. A chant started up. A single spotlight shone down, illuminating a lone figure. When Z walked towards the steps of the stage, a thousand bulbs flashed, illuminating his every movement with all-seeing eyes of the global media. Minions were tuned in from around the world. His arms hung loose at his sides, one hand carrying his headphones, the other holding a mouse with a coiled cord. Wen's foot came down on the first step. The tidal wave of voices crashed together, sounding for all the world like the waves on the shore. The auditorium was filled to the brim. People jammed into seats, standing in aisles and leaning over rails. Wen didn't see them. He never did. The second step. Time slowed as screaming journalists waved for his attention, eager to be the first to jot down the word from the reclusive frontline RCF pilot. He couldn't see them. When was back home, 13 years old, watching an old championship footage from StarCraft II at 3 in the morning. Third step. A Chinese immigrant, Wen's brother joined the global military one year and three months underage. Jin aced the exams like he did everything else, fought in the Lemayan conflict, earned two medals. Their father was proud. Wen's mother worked for as a secretary at a law firm. His father was an accountant. It took Wen two years out of high school to decide what he wanted to do. He joined the global military. One year and nine months over the acceptance age, he barely made it through the physical exams. Fourth step. Wen's fingers twitched, his muscles acclimated to quick twitches, precise movements, and almost inhuman reflexes. The shooting ranges weren't for him, neither was the PEUs. Others in his unit had genetic enhancements, mechanical upgrades, robotic replacements. They ran faster, hit harder, tanked more damage, but they fought on the ground. He fought in space. Wen was the top pilot of the remote control fighter craft, the champion of Project Lagan and Apetium. It was a new method of war honed by unknown minds in the think tank to tackle special warfare with less casualties. He could control entire armies of fighters down to individual squads and units, transmitted through space using the ungodly science the seed agents had wrested from some alien race. There was barely any lag time between his commands and the craft's responses. The step. The announcer was saying something, driving the thousands in attendance insane. When felt like he was underwater, 
hearing the sound from far away. He always did, ever since the GM had approached him and his skill in the Project Lagan's beta testing rounds. His world had been skewed. It was either a dream or a mockery of his aspirations. That something so particular could have happened to him. The tail striker had saved lives of millions, a beacon to the oriental countries, a savior to hundreds of settlements on foreign planets. The tail striker put the fear not of God, but of man into the hearts of every species that warred with. He was a hero. But tail striker was just Wen's gamer tag. Everything was numbers and units to him, casualties and losses, victory and defeat. He'd never seen the bombs drop, nor been inside a fighter on a trail of the war party. He'd never even seen the field. Maybe that was why he was so good. Sixth step. It was all a game. Wind breathed out through his nose, I shut. Just win the game. He couldn't fight on the field, not without taking so many enhancements that he became more machine than man. He wasn't good at anything, really. He wasn't even particularly smart. He'd almost been dropped from the global military before they came to him about the RCF piloting. And that was the point here before him, was the thing that he could make a difference with. There was money, there was fame, but he didn't want any of it. He didn't deserve it. This was his duty as a citizen to the world, to his nation, to his family, the entire planet, and however many more were currently settled, counted on tail strike to fight for them. So he would fight. The seventh step. Wenzi of the Lamayan Scourge, the American-Chinese prodigy, the undefeated champion of the RCF4 games, walked onto the stage to his rig. Security fought back rabbit fans from the stage fence. People around the world turned up their televisions. Every person in the stadium leaned forward and roared. It was deafening when put his headphones and plugged in his mouse. Most of his peers played through cerebral connections, but he preferred the tactile approach. The screens above him projected his monitor and scrolling lines of updates from the first battlefield. One minute to landing. When ran through his pre-game exercises, clicking and scrolling, cycling through weapon loadouts and hotkeyed formations, he switched the first-person mode and piloted the LGN-32, one of the support crafts. He dodged, shot, twitched, targeted, and switched through the other members of the squad. Each craft was different, particular, complicated, and completely internalized by Wynn. He knew everything about them, their firing rates, shield distributions, potential DPS, everything. These craft were his to play, and he played as finely as a musician ever had. Ten seconds to landing. When turned around and raised his hand to the stadium, that singular gesture would be printed for years to come. The tail striker's salute. It meant everything to some to see that gesture in person. More than one person in the stadium had been saved by him in the past. When Z turned back to his monitor, five seconds to landing. Humanity was watching. Two seconds. His finger twitched. His father was watching.
End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.